I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Game Table! This is The Game Table. I am Seamus Byrne. Thank you for coming back. Or if it's your first time, welcome. You're very welcome. Stick around. Listen to more episodes. There's a few behind you, uh, and there'll be plenty more ahead of you as well. But uh, this is still part of this intro series of episodes where I got to have so many great conversations with people at D and D Live uh, over in Los Angeles when they launched uh, Descent into Avernus, uh, the upcoming campaign setting where you head from Baldur's Gate into Hell. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this episode is my discussion with Chris Perkins and Joe Manganello. I mean, two absolute rock stars of D and D. One, a genuine star in the Hollywood sense. The other, the absolute sort of star of the creative production. Uh, story design uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. Chris Perkins, he has been at Wizards of the Coast, I guess, pretty much since the the TSR era. Uh, he's been uh, you know involved for more than 20 years. Uh, he has served as the editor-in-chief for Dragon and Dungeon magazines well ba- way back in the day. Um, he wrote the Curse of Strahd uh, book in recent years. He just does so much of the uh, uh, the sort of lore and the story stuff behind the scenes uh, and was also for a long time the Dungeon Master of Acquisitions Incorporated. Um, a brilliant, brilliant brain to get to pick when it comes to all of that that story of what Dungeons & Dragons is uh, and, and what it's like to run it on the biggest stage in the world too. And I do, I ask him about becoming a bit of a celebrity in his own right as part of being a DM up on the big stage. Joe Manganello, uh, an actor, producer, director, author. Uh, he has also played the game for decades. Uh, apparently, you know, had a big break there for a while, but uh, you know, helped to actually uh, work on the D&D studio film that happened uh, back in the day. Uh, he has worked a lot with Wizard the Coast in recent years as well to sort of consult on story ideas. Uh, his own character, Arkan the Cruel, uh, that appeared in, I think it appeared in Critical Role at one point, but um, definitely you know, he, he, it's become its own kind of famous character and has a bit of a storyline that is attached to the new Avernus setting. Um, Arkan uh, in the sort of storyline, uh, is completely devoted to Tiamat and uh, finds himself in a in a tower in Avernus, still working on trying to uh, release a Tiamat from her prison. So, uh, really cool to see sort of a character that has uh, you know gone from there and now sort of steps into the canonical domain, I guess. Uh, but he has also you know, released a really cool D&D streetwear brand, heavy metal fantasy themed called Death Saves. 
Um, I actually picked up a great barbarian uh, t-shirt. Uh, but uh, yeah, Joe's been working with like classic 80s metal artists to bring this stuff to life. Really, really cool stuff. Um, look, yeah, I, I, I've given you the background. Let's just get into the interview. Uh, we explore a lot of interesting themes uh, in this one, and we start in a similar similar place to some of the other conversations I had, uh, really talking about uh, you know, what it means for D&D to have hit this point where it's becoming sort of popular uh, in a mainstream sense. Um, but, you know, as with all of these discussions, it ends up exploring, uh, you know, and going into its own places. And I, I think, I think, yeah, we get to some really interesting stuff about the nature of of this being an improv game and what that really means uh, for people to invest so much into characters that they keep coming back to and and the lessons you learn about being part of a part of a group and and having to contribute to a team in this sort of a context. Really fun conversation and yeah, enough intro. Let's just get to it. Has it felt like to you as well that suddenly this is more you know more out there in the world and you know it's kind of more people recognize what's going on and that you can feel that there's more people who want to want to keep learning more as well there are definitely more people uh becoming aware of it awareness is yeah uh increased dramatically with streaming yeah and with the streaming technology being where it is and the sheer number of games out there you can watch dnd 24 7 online now and find a game that sort of is the kind of kind of game that you can get into. There's different styles, different DMs, different types of shows. And that's only going to get more interesting as time goes on, as the technology gets better, as the competition mm-hmm. for people's attention becomes more important. Yeah. People are going to get a lot more creative with the kinds of games they're running and how they're actually presenting them. I think that's very interesting, healthy, and will lead to uh, bringing even more people into the game. Yeah. How about yourself? Just in terms of, I guess, you know, has this last few years made you kind of, you know, feel like this this world of all things D and D is, uh, you know, is exploding all around yeah. you? Well, you know, I I grew up with the game, so I was aware of the subculture of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you know, I work in mainstream Hollywood, right, and. You know, there's this little series of movies based on this set of books that was written in the 1930s about wizards and dragons and trolls that won just about every Academy Award there was to win and, and made every dollar, took a dollar out of every single household there was on the planet. So, you know, when something becomes that accessible to the mainstream, these subcultures that kind of existed in its shadow wind up becoming absorbed uh, osmotically, if you will. And, and I think also right now, the biggest frenzy on the planet right now is what's going to happen in the finale of Game of Thrones, which are people riding around in dragons fighting each other and, you know, and white walkers and all this stuff. And so it's easy to say to people who don't understand it. Like, for example, my wife, my wife is someone who lives her life in the mainstream and, you know, well, what is that weird thing you do in our basement? And it's easy for me to say, well, it's that show on Sunday night or it's the Lord of the Rings or it's the Hobbit. And this is what or or when I play the Witcher video game. There would be no Witcher video game 
if it weren't for Dungeons and Dragons. This game figured out how to create a full sandbox video game where you could do anything you wanted um, before they figured out the rules of, of gaming. You know, leveling up and you know as the idea of a sandbox, which which actually in video game is 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 finite. There are walls to the ends of, of the universe where in this game you 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 can't and there are none. And so I think it appeals in that way, but it's also hitting at a time where social media has changed things for good or for bad, where everyone wants to be the hero of their own story. People don't go to a concert and say, all right, you know what? Trent Reznor is a genius. I'm going to stand here and watch what he has to say and listen. No, it's I'm going to take a picture of myself with Trent way far in the background who's going to validate how cool I am and what a celebrity I am to my own Instagram followers. Dungeons and Dragons is, is a game where you create your own character and disappear into a world and become your own hero with your group of friends. And I think it's it's that's what's going on in the zeitgeist right now. And it's this game that 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 really, you know, it's it's um it's at a time when people also need to put their phones down and have an analog conversation with someone else, and it's necessary. People need to unplug whether they know it or not. And I think um, as there's been a return to vinyl or appreciation with vinyl, there's been a return to analog tabletop gaming. And so I think all of those things have, have contributed um, to I it. Think, I think people underestimate, too, just the the strength of D&D as a storytelling medium. The success of Critical Role is a good example of that, where this is not your typical show, but the story that they're telling is as compelling a story with characters who are as multi-dimensional as a television series. And just like a television series, you get to see how it plays out week after week after week. And you don't know how it's going to end. And they don't know how it's going to end, which is a novelty. Mm. Um, the, the community that surrounds those types of experiences, too, are also very positive, for the most part. And people are drawn to that. There are all kinds of online communities that are not. Online gaming communities that are toxic and poisonous. And we try really hard to be a community of love and acceptance, um, a big tent where anybody can come in and play. Yeah. And I think with all the games out there, you're seeing that manifest. Yeah. And the community is real and they take care of each other. And in a society where it's becoming increasingly rare to find people who are willing to just to look after each other and engage face to face, it's a draw. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I mean, there's something as well, isn't there, about, and it's kind of picking up on that point. I think there's a lot of people who, as much as you explain what the game is, that in the context of these shows, that they might not grasp that it is unscripted and that where the season ends, like, that... It the, might the, end next week if the die rolls yeah, like, aren't on your side. Maybe well, yeah, the DM well, well, wishes he knew where it was going to end. That's yeah. why it's such, it's such a fun game to play, and it's such a brilliant game because... You are making this thing up as you go along. And there is genuine fear that your character is going to die or that someone else in your party is going to die. And 
what happens then, that fear then creates this energy, which is I need to do the right thing by my group. If, if, I'm, if I'm the warrior, I need to run into the room first and I need to not be afraid of that, which is a yeah. really interesting and complex emotional response. You know, like, for example, I've done ride-alongs with undercover narcotics officers where we've caught somebody in a car chase. And we've broken into what turned out to be a meth cleaning lab in a line. And there's a guy at the front of the line who has to walk into that room first or b- break that door in first. It's scary stuff. But it's being replicated in this fun game. And it's, if that's your character, it doesn't matter if you're 90 pounds soaking wet. You're first one in the door. Get in there and do it. And don't yeah. let the cleric die because we need him to heal us. <laughs> so everyone, everyone embraces this role in this personality. And, and I think that that's... You know, it's it's um, you go through things with your friends, you go through these experiences with your friends, and um, it's uh, and and you don't know where it's going to go, and then you have this weird, you know, the gods of the dice, you know, roll them however they're going to roll them, and you have to go with that. And, yeah. You know, it's um, it's 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 a really exciting. I mean, Gary and Gary and Dave, man, they 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 really they really figured this thing out. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of experiences where improv is so front and center to your point. Um, you can go to improv theater and watch a bunch of improvisational actors have a great time, but then it's over and you step away and you go off to the next thing. You don't have any long-term endearment to, right. to them, but in D and D you are in a completely unscripted environment week after week after week. And you start to care about what's happening and how this story is unfolding and you want to see where it goes directionally. Um, to your point, I've, I've done live games on stage where people have come to me and say, how, how do you internalize? How do you, how do you script all of that? How do you, how do you keep it looking so spontaneous? And I go, none of it's scripted, none of it. Well, maybe like the first, the first thing that comes out of my mouth might be, but then it goes off in a weird tangent and you just roll with it. It's, the novelty of that is not lost on me. You don't get that hardly anywhere else. I think when, when, when I was talking to some of the other groups, we talked a little bit about how uh, the difference between you know, a home game and a stage game and some of the sort of those kind of elements. But one of the things we focused on was more that idea of, you know, you're trying to get somewhere specific. But maybe a different aspect is almost that apart from an incredibly long-running home game where, you know, nobody's died yet and everybody really... I'm wondering, if does it almost feel like the stakes are a little bit higher because as the audience gets invested as well, it's not just you and a few friends, but now there's a whole audience rooting for your characters to, to make it. Sure. Well, yeah. you also have an interface with an audience. I mean, as a theatre actor, there's nothing like feeling the crowd and, yeah. and figuring out if the crowd is with you or not, or where they stand, and <laughs> be a shame if everybody died and you just sat, you know, stood there on stage in utter silence. <laughs> but for, these things happen. I was part yeah, of it. I was part of it. I'm a stage TPK at oh, okay. one point, and that stuff happens. And I think that adds to the electricity. Um, but also, it's like players are as much of a story, a, a part of the story, as the DMs are. And I often go home and do a lot of writing and, and do a lot of plotting and a lot of figuring out of, uh, oh, well, that, that Goblin King, he messed with us. Well, right. I'm going to drop a greater demon, 
you know, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to, I'm gonna, hire I'm gonna, hat, a dis- I'm gonna, I'm gonna hat a disguise into a hobgoblin, make them think I'm on their team. I'm gonna sink into the back so they can't hear my verbal component. I'm gonna summon a greater demon on the dais next to his throne, and then we're gonna, and I'm plotting this in the week in between. And yeah. Sometimes text threads come out with the players separate of the DM where we're trying to figure out our plot strategy yeah. strategy separate from from the dm which is you know i do love seeing i've had times where i had i one group of nine players that i played with once in this very specific game clearly nine is a bit crazy but i loved this moment when they all walked out of the room for 10 minutes and then walked back in and went okay we're ready we got this and you just like i okay. can't wait to see what they're about Hit to try me. to drop yeah. on me <laughs> what are you guys doing let yeah. me know yeah. and then after the first <laughs> round when the dice don't do what they think <laughs> At all, <laughs> or everyone's stuck on a ladder that is dependent upon the people at the top of the ladder getting first in the initiative order, right. and none of them do. Yeah. Chris, I also love to know: <laughs> Did you ever think you'd have your own celebrity within this kind of world? You know? Oh no! At some stage? No, no, no. <laughs> um, there wasn't really any of that back in the old TSR days. I mean, there was Gary Gygax. He was he was always a celebrity, I guess, but. Um, I went in just for the, the work because I love the game so much and wanted to contribute to it. I never, never in a million years would have thought that I'd ever be on stage, which is not my, that's not the place I would gravitate toward in a normal world. Um, I just as soon stay as far away from that as possible. So it com- caught me completely by surprise. I think that's just, the, the community is, is so nice and so supportive that I felt... I could go out of my comfort zone in that, in that way. Um, plus, it was a great experiment. 11 years ago, we had no idea that people would want to watch other people play d and yeah. I, I, I was mystified by the thought that anybody would think that that's a fun thing to do. I underestimated just how engaging D&D players can be when you get a good group. Yeah. I mean, everybody walks out with the... Like, it's funny how even within people's own home games, uh, people come away with their stories and would kind of love to find people yeah. they could recount that story right. to in some yeah. way. Or yeah, other. just like in movies, there's an alchemy that comes into play. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Every D&D group is looking for that perfect alchemy. Sure, yeah. And every D&D group has that guy who keeps splitting the party and party yeah. members wind up dead. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> on the converse, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what what part of this, uh, you know, particularly the fifth edition journey, I guess, you know, I've really kind of uh, emphasized that idea that you know that it kind of shifted the focus to story more than rules in a lot of significant ways. The fact that we're having this kind of a launch event, I think, speaks to that sort of idea. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, how how much have you kind of enjoyed that transition as you know as a creative lead in this? in this game for such a long time as it you know felt like it's in kind of a really nice place right now with yeah talent. and it's a it feels like a natural evolution to me fifth edition takes the best elements of the previous editions and blends them in a way that's meant to be super user-friendly uh, and super accepting uh, of styles and just of the people playing the game uh we took leaps with the art we took leaps with the the design itself um, simplifying rules or having elegance in the system. Not simplification, but elegance. The advantage, like the, disadvantage mechanic. Computational elegance. Right. Sort of and the fact that the game was built by, to a great extent, by us listening to playtesters 
this was not a vanity project for us. This was us trying to figure out what people actually loved most about the game from all their years of playing it and, and just tried to distill that down into something that was relatable. So I feel good about the state of the game in that respect. And I like the idea that when the rules are there, they're helpful. And when they need to get out of the way, you can push them the fuck out of the way and just have a good time and break them. I break rules all the time for the name, for, for fun. You're allowed to. You wrote the rules. True. But sometimes if the fun says, you know, do this, fun wins. Yeah. Fun beats rules. But I do love the rules because, yes. look, I act for a living. Yes. So sometimes I don't want to go home and do funny voices in my day off. I love the crunchiness of the math. I love figuring out probability. I love figuring out if I'm going to take a feeder and ability yes. score at a level depending right. on the math. Like, yes, yes. The rules can't is, be shit. They but have it's, to be but good. It's also a game where I, you can go home and work on by yourself, which is also oh, yeah. such an interesting... Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that almost never comes up, this idea that there's all these activities around the game. Oh, yeah. I get done, I get done DMing or playing and I'm immediately online trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the next level. Right? Yeah. Checking out that. Do I want a multi-class? What would that yeah. mean? Like, it's like D&D is a shopping game and it's this character <laughs> creation game and it's this mapping yeah. game. Yeah. It's this conspiracy against your DM game offline. Sometimes. You know? I mean the, now yeah. you know, Chris. I didn't mean for you to, to know that. I know everything now. Yeah, right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank so you. Really big thanks again to Chris Perkins and Joe Manganello. I should update you all on the state of the competition that uh, we're running as part of the launch of the Game Table podcast. Um, let me pull up the details. We now have over on biteside.com. You can uh, you can go there and get all the details and the mechanics, but of course you're listening. So I'm not going to make you go to the website to learn more. Uh, what are the prizes? So we've got the game table competition kicking things off. I've got the Acquisitions Inc. source book to give away thanks to Good Games Australia. They're throwing that in for us. We've got the Ghosts of Saltmarsh campaign book thanks to Wizards of the Coast themselves. Uh, an exclusive sticker sheet from the D&D Live 2019 event. Bunch of shiny stickers all themed around the Descent into Avernus uh, theme of that show. And the competition is based on going back through the first five episodes. I've mentioned code words in each of those episodes. So use whatever skills you need, human skills, not rolling dice skills, but going and finding these uh, five code words. And then apart from the code words, the idea is I want you to send me an email to the game table at biteside.com and in 25 words or less tell me about what your game table means to you now you can be funny clever poignant serious whatever the case may be uh, if it if it touches me in just the right way i will pick my favorite entry and send out the prize pack now, the prize pack is winnable by an Australia or New Zealand resident only, sorry, but I'm also going to, I'll pick a, a, if there's a really, really awesome international entry, I'm sure there will be, um, I'm going to find some kind of a digital code I can send you. I'm going to uh, talk to some people, see what kind of a, uh, uh, a code I can get. And uh, yeah, once, I, once I've got something locked in, 
uh, I'll announce that as well. So there'll be a cool code for an international winner and then the physical books for an Australia or New Zealand winner. The competition will close 31st of July, 11.59.59 p.m. Sydney, Australia time. So there are all the details that you need. So if you're listening to this after July, sorry you've missed out, but you haven't missed out on the cool show. So there's always that. And look, as the as the show rolls on, I'm sure there'll be other cool, fantastic, fun prizes and things that we'll find because this is a games-based show after all. And what kind of a game show would this be if there aren't prizes from time to time? Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I had an absolute blast having these uh, interviews. And yeah, as we get to the end of this uh, D&D Live phase of the show, I'm going to start talking to new people about the things they make for our game tables, about the other kinds of games that we share in that context, as well as catching up with some people about the kinds of things that are out on the horizon, what's exciting them and their passion for, for what's coming soon. Uh, new things to play, new things to play with, uh, new also all the all kinds of cool stuff. So, thank you again for listening to the game table. I'm Seamus Byrne, and you can find me most easily on Twitter. I am at Seamus. That's S E A M U S. You can find lots more about this show and all my other shows at Biteside.com. I curate a weekly newsletter of cool links. You can also sign up for that at Biteside.com. Until next time, just keep those dice rolling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.